Welcome to Church in the North, a podcast by ministry leaders and for ministry leaders. I'm your host, Rob Chartrand, Program Coordinator for Christian Ministry at Briarcrest College. And I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff Dresser, Assistant Professor of Worship Arts. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, Rob. And Dan Goddard, Lead Pastor of Victory Church in Moose Jaw. Good morning, Dan. Good day, gentlemen. All right. Hey, the band is back together. Uh, yeah. yeah, you guys keep leaving me. I'm here all by myself, <laughs> uh, but we've had some excellent uh, co-hosts joining us, some guest we hosts. Yeah. And uh, But Jeff, you were away. Tell us, what, where were you last week? What were you doing? Yeah, I was at uh, Muskoka Bible Center in uh, like near Huntsville in cottage country wow. for, for Toronto. And uh, my wife and I were leading worship at a, a conference for ministry couples. Okay. Wow. Muskoka's, uh, is it the weather there a lot nicer than it is here? Yeah, it was a lot warmer. It was damp, but it was warm and there were still leaves on the trees. So it was, it was really beautiful. Wow. Hmm. Muskoka. Muskoka is beautiful. Um, So uh, let's talk about something else that's new in your life. You and your wife, Pearl, have just released a album and it's available on Spotify for our listeners who want to go check it out. Uh, What's the story behind the album? And, And tell us what's it called? Uh, the album's called Awaken, okay, and it's yeah, it's available on Spotify and wherever fine music is streamed. Oh, nice. So yeah. it's uh, vinyl, it, vinyl record stores. Uh, that would not be streaming. Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah. So. But um, but yeah, it's available on Apple Music, Spotify, and a whole bunch of other services that I had never even heard of. Okay. But, um, but when I uploaded it, the uh, the service that I have sent it just about everywhere. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've been writing songs regularly for years and I had a few that I wanted to record and it's been something that I've been meaning to do for a a few years. Hmm. And, uh, but I've learned that if you want a project to be completed, that, uh, invite my wife to be a part of it (laughs) and then, uh, it will be brought to completion. So, uh, yeah, I came home from work uh, this this spring one day, and Pearl had said, "I wrote four songs today." Wow! <laughs> and um, which I thought just isn't fair because, like, I I just labor over songs for a long time. But but she had uh, some songs, so a couple of her songs are on the, okay. the album, and then yeah. the, the other three that I wrote. And um, yeah, it was just something that we wanted to share with people and to uh, to create something, you know, from our hearts to uh, uh, to share with all of our friends and to put it out there. And it's great that I have access to the recording studio right. here at Briarcrest, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and so so yeah, so it was fun and very challenging to record and mix and produce. Uh, all of these tracks myself. And okay. Did you a, play like every instrument on it too? Uh, I I played all the guitars and programmed the drums and the loops, and then I had uh, Chris Kaler uh, play all the keyboards. So okay. he's on faculty here. He's the our uh, teaches piano and music here at Briarcrest. So wow, very cool. Yeah. So, so there's, yeah. there are five tracks on it. Yeah, um, five tracks. I gave a listen to it uh, last night. Sounds good. I like it. Well, and, thank uh, you. Hope uh, others will enjoy it as well. Available yeah. on all streaming. Yeah, uh, just about just about anywhere. But you, not vinyl. You, uh, not vinyl. Okay. Uh, wow. I did have to burn a CD for my parents though. <laughs> so, which like I had to go down to IT and say, "Do you guys have like a CD writing thing that I can?" Oh man, I've so, got one. Yeah. Could, yeah. Them. Yeah. So I I figured that out and uh, and I'll have to mail that off to them. So well, I'm always impressed when somebody brings one of those projects to completion. You know, there's a lot of dreaming, like, yeah. oh, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to yeah. produce a song, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. And so yeah. to see you guys bring that all the way to finish and yeah. 
and release it. That's a good job. Yeah, Thanks well, there, yeah. Well, it, it feels great to have it uh, to have it out there and completed. And I could have kept like any artistic thing. Yeah. Uh, you could keep working on it forever and ever. And but at some point, you have to say, "This may not be done, but I am done." <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so yeah, and so it was great to put that out there. And it's so hard when you're. Like when you're recording yourself, and because you just can't be objective uh, yeah, right, about yeah. it, so yeah. there are extra challenges in in doing it yourself. But um, but I've found that if you get other people to 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 do the work, um, those people want to be paid, mm. which so there's a downside <laughs> to to that as well. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, hey, let's uh, let's turn the page to another topic for for just a few minutes. Um, uh, chat gpt let's talk about ai oh, or yes. agi it seems like the latest rage and uh it's especially for us in academia it's something we talk about quite a bit but uh apparently it has some really practical uses and it's got a bit of a spillover effect into uh, effect into ministry uh some pastors uh, think that they can use chat gpt to help them write their sermons or maybe even to write, write their the sermons sermon. yeah. yeah um so you know i sent you guys uh, some articles about that or an article about that and so let me ask you what do you guys think can any anything good come from chat gpt when it comes to sermon writing what do you think dan <laughs> well i think technology is a great tool so yeah i'd be all for looking for ways to use it That'd be my, you know, it probably gets lots of uh, negative press, but yeah, I'd say, man, see see how it could help you, right? So probably looking for titles, sermon titles okay. would be one place that I would say that's, Interesting. that's probably yeah. an, a, a useful yeah. piece. Um, maybe, I guess, if you're stuck on something, you could ask it, what, you know, could I use it this way or that? Honestly, I haven't used it a lot, but I have uh, a few times, and then what I did actually a month or two ago, as I told one of our staff, I said, you know, nobody uses ChatGPT around here yet. Yeah. Why don't you start, you know, becoming our resident expert? And it's pretty funny because now every single issue that comes up, uh, I get an email or uh, a note, a post uh, with the ChatGPT's answer. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, honestly, it it's uh, it's not as helpful as I was hoping in, in a but it's fun to see yeah. how it answers and uh, yeah. yeah on on just all kinds of issues you know writing job descriptions anything you want right you can yeah. ask it a question totally. and then yeah. play around with the answers uh, jeff do you use chat gpt for anything uh, i played around with it a little bit this summer and i actually used it uh to to i was part of a reading group when we were reading dostoevsky's the idiot which is a terrible book i do not recommend it uh, uh it was everything that they say about russian literature is just depressing and went from bad to worse but but we were having our last meeting and so i asked uh, chat and i had finished reading the book but sort of forgot what the last section was so i asked chat gpt summarize the ending of the okay. idiot for me just yeah. to, to save time and then chat gpt uh gave me an ending but it, it gave me uh, it hallucinated okay uh yeah. things that were not in the book right. yeah. yeah and so it's and i mean they they call it hallucinating yeah. when, when yeah. it just right. makes up something up that's, that's yeah. not there so it was, and the funny thing was that the ending that it came up with was actually would have been a way better book than, <laughs> than Dostoevsky's uh, actual ending. But uh, so, so I, that was eye opening for me. And, yeah. and then uh, I'm going to teach songwriting in the 
in the next semester. And like I've had ChatGPT just write me a song. Now, I mean, it just does the the lyrics, but you'd give it a prompt and and it will it will write those lyrics. And mm. but my I mean, my spiel to my students will be the, the point of writing songs is to take something in your heart and share right. it with yeah, the world. Yeah. And if you use chat GPT, then that, there's no point. You're, you're completely missing the point. So, yeah. so I, I'm, I'm kind of anti chat GPT okay. at, at this point and, and feel like it's, it's more than a, a tool. It's uh, an autonomous machine. And it's uh, it's using us as much as it's uh, as uh, maybe more than we're using it. Right. So yeah, yeah I am. Uh, uh, put me in the skeptic uh, category. <laughs> okay. okay. Yes. Well, I mean, there are different ways that you can use it for sermon writing, like from you know sermon titles, as as you said, Dan. Um, some of it you can do the preliminary research for you. Mm-hmm. On, like, especially if you're doing, like, say, an expository message from a certain passage, and it can do the, right. um, you know, the grammatical, historical. It can it can look at the you know the language and and textual, um, and give you all that background information. So it can it can do a shortcut for you. So if you're using like Logos, it's like a, a step faster than Logos. Say like so if you use Logos as a Bible software and you're doing all that research yourself, ChatGPT is going to do it for you, but probably in about two minutes. Um, but I mean, it could hallucinate. Exactly. So, yeah. So, so yeah. But then, but but then you can also get it to like write your entire sermon for you. Like sure. you can just like it's going to do, yeah. and and a lot of that's going to be generative. Like it's going to look at other sermons that have been done and whatnot, and kind of put it together, and you're going to end up with this product at the end. But uh, what do you think of that idea? What do you think of like, okay, listen, I know pastors are crunched for time. I guess it's been a really, really busy week. My kids got like a volleyball tournament on Saturday and I just don't have time to finish that message. Chat GPT, write me a sermon on uh, uh, Romans chapter six, right? And boom. And then you get the manuscript, you read through it three or four times. You think, yeah, that kind of feels good, (laughs) you know? And then you get up on Sunday morning, you you knock it out of the park. Uh, What's wrong with that? that was amazing. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, I don't think that's that different than current reality. Okay. People can search the internet right now. Uh, pastors, if they, if they need a sermon, uh, and they, they'd rather not write their own Rick Warren, there's a hundred places you can go. And a lot of pastors do that. They go and find other pastors sermons, find another sermon and just, just repeat it. But is that Um, a problem? Exactly. And there's lots of discussion around that and, and what that might might mean. And of course you'd hope that a person would give credit, uh, if especially, depending on how much, you know, quoting, quoting one is plagiarism, yeah. quoting many is research. So, you know, if they're just stealing the whole sermon from one source, then you might say, wow, that was, you know, yeah. a lot and so on. But at the end of the day, of course, I think a large part of the argument against that is to just say, wow, it it's good for you to do uh, heart research yourself and to get into things yourself and, and write a message for yourself as right. a preacher yes, uh, and and good for your congregation that you are doing that and so forth. So there's, yeah, uh, it, it could probably be argued all day one way or the other. Yeah. But I don't know yeah. if chat GPT would change the equation significantly from what is already happening. Yeah. 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 I guess it, it, it begs a question of is sermon writing, I mean, is the goal of sermon writing only simply to produce a product? Right, so, right. and that's part of the reality of our kind of a consumptive day, uh, a, a day age and the utilitarian function. So, um, 
you know, if you if you I'm gonna put on my homiletics professor hat here, and I mean, I mean, the idea is is to understand the text in its context, and truly get to know that text, and then bridge it two thousand years into the current context, and that means you've got to know your audience that you're delivering to. You really have to be sure. part of an embodied people, and and then you're translating that across the Great Divide, and you're trusting the Spirit to give you a message that's for that people. But right. in the midst of that process, you yourself are being exactly. transformed by the exactly. spirit as you're doing the work, the yeah. rigorous work of looking in the text. And so you are, you yourself are supposed to be an embodiment of that message, yeah. right? So it's not just words you're sharing. So you're not just trying to produce a product. You are, you are part of that product yeah. and it's for a people, a very specific. So, I mean, the challenge with ChatGPT is it's, it's, I think if you're a, the bigger your audience is, the more general you have to be in terms of the applications and mm -hmm. the the message that you're bringing, right? But if you're part of a smaller community, I mean, your your applications are going to be pretty localized and pretty right. right? You've been living with the people, connecting yeah. with the people, yeah. And, and it's true through human personality. It's God's right. word, but That's it right. comes through the communicator. Yeah. Uh, so you, you would think a communicator who's just reading someone else's sermon, whether you know generated by a computer or another yeah. human being is missing out on that uh, unique thing that God does through a, a given right. person. Yeah. So preaching is more than content sharing, I guess is what I'm saying. Sure. I mean, yeah. you're, you're, There's an incarnational presence yeah. of the person preaching. And yeah, if they're, if they're stealing <clears throat> their content or letting chat GPT generate the content, then, yeah. uh, then I think it, it short circuits that. And that's the, like, like why don't we just hand out a, piece of paper with the, the sermon title or just watch a video of someone else. Yeah, yeah. throw up like, the VeggieTales like video. Yeah, <laughs> like we need that that presence, that that um, that incarnational presence of someone who has who has um, internalized the word yeah. and then they are sharing that as an example for all of us that right. we ought to do go through the same process rather than uh, Rather than just for it to be information that we need to yeah. that we need to consume, no, there's a process of yeah. of internalizing it, being transformed, and then and then living out that transformation. Yeah. I always find my preaching has a much more prophetic edge to it, and I mean that not in the the spooky way, but just the sense of you know bringing the word of God into the moment in, in this time. Mm -hmm. If I've done the work, like if I've right. done the work of internalizing it, I've, I mean, I'll, I'll confess there's times where things have been super busy and I've looked around and I've borrowing stuff from other people and whatnot. And, and it, it comes across as a pretty good message, pretty sure. polished message, pretty right. professional message. Right. But I come back from that moment. Oftentimes I'm like, ah, I don't know. You know, it's not yeah. really my message. It's not really me. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. And, and so you've done the, done the study work, but the prayer work too. Pray yeah. through it and really yeah. let it become a word that you feel is from the Lord for yeah. the people for yeah. this time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we know pastors are busy. <laughs> but, but I also <laughs> fear in one, I mean, I did my um, thesis on online worship and just sort of t how technology affects us. And in one of the books I read that, um, you know, some government program decided to give uh, Northern Aboriginal, like Inuit, uh, Inuit people, um, GPS technology. So mm. they had GPS, and within a few years, they they'd all lost the ability to navigate without the GPS. Okay. So, wow. so the technology is, you know, you lose skills when you just start relying on the technology. That's right. So, so that even though it takes longer, that I think that research is is part of the process and even like chasing down dead ends uh, I, I mean there's 
there's transformation and you're interacting with scripture as you do that. Yeah. I mean, those are all, I think, important parts and, uh, you know, and skills that we can't afford to lose if we just become dependent on, on the technology. Yeah. And then we're all certain sound the same too. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, you get like vanilla beige cardboard right. preaching that sounds right. Yeah. There's, you don't have the unique voice of an individual. Yeah. So, so in defense of a, say a young pastor using yeah. other people's sermons or yeah. uh, whatnot, I, I do think, especially for newer preachers, yeah, um, it can be helpful. I, I've heard of preachers who spent like the first year just using other people's sermons mostly yeah. for their preaching yeah. content. And you, you learn as you do that too. You learn how uh, to handle a text well. Mm -hmm. um, you can learn, you know, just different, and you can personalize it. Like, yeah. uh, so yeah. So I, I think especially for young preachers, I wouldn't be totally against looking at other people's messages, no. taking yeah. bits and pieces from them, even using a, an entire message, but mm -hmm. giving credit right, to that. And uh, yeah, so I wouldn't go all in against no yeah absolutely yeah. and 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 i think if you do the rigorous groundwork ahead of time and then you at near the end of the production of your sermon right. you start listening yeah. you know i wouldn't start there but i would yeah and i think young preachers have to learn from other preachers they right. have to um mm -hmm. but eventually they have to find their own voice exactly right because yeah. you, you all know of some young preachers that sound very much like their favorite <laughs> preacher right sure <laughs> and then they get off stage and you're like oh you're you're a different person <laughs> yeah it's right. you're a knockoff that's a, yeah, yeah you're yeah and none of us want to be a hack but yeah. all sure. good artists steal like i mean right. steal like an artist yeah steal yeah. like an artist great book anyone yeah, yeah. If you haven't read it, look at it. It's good. <laughs> I sign it to my homiletic students. Yeah. yeah. There's an analog with musicians, and particularly jazz musicians, that, I mean, one of the things that we all do when we're learning is we transcribe other musicians' solos hmm. and and sort of walk in their footsteps and learn. Uh, and, I mean, it just opens up your your mind and your ears to all these new possibilities. And but the, with the knowledge that the point of this is to is to somehow transform that and and find your own voice yeah. um, by blending together the you know having these influences um, and rather than just to become uh, someone who apes another another musician. But yeah, yeah I, I would also agree that yes, we need to learn from those who've come before us uh, with the goal of finding our own unique voice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all art is a fusion of other ideas of and products that have gone before us and but it, it does seem then okay back to chat gpt chat gpt it yes do, it does seem that that's not super helpful in that context right like it might be better off looking for five messages yeah. on this text yeah by, by other preachers than than by asking chat gpt to do the that work curating work for you that's when right it's probably not uh choosing those sources uh, as discerningly as as we could and so yeah. forth yeah yeah, I think you're right on that. Um, and like I said, it becomes pretty beige. Like it's, I've asked it to create some things for yes. me, and, and I just like, oh, that's pretty generic sometimes in what it's. Absolutely, has. I was in a meeting the other day. We're talking about yeah. adding a, another service to our, yeah. our our church. So we do three services right now. We're thinking about doing a fourth. So we're debating all this stuff. And what do we do? What are the next steps? And somebody goes, well, uh, let me let me give you the next steps. I just found them online, and you know, put ten steps into doing this. Yeah. And, you know, as soon as you read it, you're just like, oh, yeah, chat GPT. And it's so yeah. generic. You, right. It could be 10 steps to starting yeah. anything new, you know, and it, it, 
Yeah. But, but can you, I think you can change the voice on it though. So like write me this description of this service in the voice of Jerry Seinfeld or in the okay, voice fun. of Jack Black. Sure. And it can actually come across, you know, and, <laughs> with, yeah. some, with some personality. Yeah, make it cheeky or, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Put some color in um, Good deal. Yeah. But it's not necessarily your voice. Okay. Well, hey, um, we sure love to hear feedback from our listeners. Uh, and we, we, it's been great to get uh, some ratings and um, on Spotify and iTunes and whatnot. And so um, let's manipulate ChatGPT, shall we? Um, we, we just want to ask our listeners, if you like our podcast and uh, you're enjoying the content, uh, could you please write us a review? Uh, Jeff, you're really into the the whole uh, Spotify iTunes thing. How did they do that? Uh, well, I know like uh, the algorithm has need of it is yes, the okay. uh, is the answer. So we um, it. I mean, the almighty algorithm uh, will push this podcast out to more people who would be interested in it if there are if there's more engagement from listeners and more reviews. So those five star reviews just really help us accomplish what we're trying to do, which is encourage uh, church leaders with uh, the content that we're providing. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's very important and very helpful for us to get those uh, to get that engagement to get those reviews. Uh, on Spotify or wherever you're listening to yeah. this podcast. So if you just from. go on your podcast, wherever you're listening, click on this particular one, and then uh, you'll see down there a little spot that says rating, and just That's throw great. in your throw in your rating, and you can even choose, you know, click, uh, yeah. I want to do a review. And yeah, you're there. listening right now. Do it right now. Pick up your phone. Do it right now. It's really Let's easy go. to do, unless you're driving. Then don't do it. <laughs> I mean, that's a, <laughs> what kind of feedback we're we looking for. Uh, we are looking for positive uh, feedback. <laughs> uh, um, no, it's funny. I like I uh, like I wrote a self-published a novel a few years ago, and I, I had someone at my church who like read the novel. I love this novel, and then they gave me a four-star review. <laughs> and I'm like, oh come on, man. like that's not anyway. But yeah, those five-star reviews. <laughs> Are, yeah, are very helpful for uh, for us to get the uh, for us to get, to get the word out on what yeah. we're doing here, and we believe that what we're sharing is is going to be helpful to the church. So, yeah, you know, yeah. whenever I buy something on Amazon, I ignore the five stars and I ignore the one stars, and I read the comments for the two, threes, ah, and fours nice. to okay. see what went wrong nice. <laughs> with the product, rather than somebody's <laughs> just really angry or yeah, um, yeah. yeah really Pollyannish yeah. about something. Yeah, so we appreciate feedback, uh, and uh, we want to learn, and we want to get better. So um, you can also email us at podcast at thechurchinthenorth.ca, and uh, we'd love to hear uh, more about um, about what you think. Well, our guest this week is Sid Coop, the Director of Youth Worker Community. I just interviewed him yesterday, and oh, um, he just got back from the Canadian Youth Pastor Summit, which was hosted last week in Vancouver. And so we talk a lot about young people, about youth, and what's happening with youth ministry across the country, and as well as the work of his organization, and uh, all the stuff, the great stuff they're doing to impact youth workers and volunteers. So I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to you guys having a chance to hear that uh, as our listeners. And um, Jeff, Dan, thanks for joining me today in the studio. Thank you. Great yeah. conversation. Great to be here. Okay. Well, it's so great to have with us on the podcast, Sid Coop. Sid Coop is the executive director of Youth Worker Community. Sid, uh, good morning and uh, welcome to the Church in the North podcast. 
Dude, Rob, thank you so much. This is a privilege to be here with you, bro. I appreciate the work you do so much. And, uh, and I'm excited to be on the podcast today, man. This is great. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm not sure if all of our listeners um, know who you are. I know a lot of youth workers across the country definitely know who you are, but uh, maybe some of our listeners don't. So let's get started by um, with you telling us about youth worker community. What is, what is it that you guys do? Yeah. Youth worker community, Rob, exists to encourage and equip youth workers to better disciple kids that, you know, God's placed in their care. It comes under the umbrella of our organization called Truth Matters Ministries, which was really focused on helping the next generation see and experience the truth of Jesus Christ. So when we talk mm-hmm. about discipling kids, we talk about them seeing and experiencing the truth of Jesus, you know, in a transforming way. And we just believe so strongly that next to parents, youth workers are best positioned, you know, relationally to help kids experience Jesus. And especially, Rob, we have a high affinity for volunteer youth workers. So again, we know mm-hmm. in a healthy youth ministry, that volunteer youth workers can be positioned in the best relational space to disciple students. But I know for me, when I was youth pastoring, Rob, I didn't always have the professional development funds to get them the kind of training to help them really steward that well. Right. And so we just have a commitment to come alongside youth ministries, uh, help encourage and equip their youth workers, make it affordable and accessible. And, and we love supporting the church, man. Like this, that this is what I get really excited about. It's what keeps me up at nights. And I'm, and I'm really thankful that, that we've been given kind of this season to be able to do that a little bit. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, we're going to do a deep dive on different parts of youth worker community uh, in, a, in a few minutes here in our conversation. But uh, let's talk about you, Sid. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, we're going to find are, more you, exciting topics, I'm sure, but sure, let's hit this for a bit. <laughs> uh, you're working with youth, um, but you're no spring chicken. I mean, you're pretty pretty old for a youth guy. Um, That's what my knees said when I tried it. My knees said when I tried to get out of bed this morning, they let me know. I'm not, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Um, hey, how long have you been involved with youth ministry? And why don't you just kind of walk us through the big high level topography of your ministry yeah. journey? Yeah. For, so first of all, Rob, I just turned the big five zero this past year. So we're yes. half a century in. You know what I'm saying? Welcome you, to the club. You feel that? That's right. Yeah. You understand. It's good. It's good space, by the way. It's good space to be in. So I've been doing youth ministry now. I was thinking about it kind of between like 25 and 30 years, depending on when you count the start to vocational ministry. But so quick story, grew up in a little town in Manitoba called Elkhorn, Manitoba, about 500 people. My dad, who was like this Mennonite lay pastor, started the first kind of evangelical church with a Pentecostal lay pastor in our town of 500. Hmm. And I grew up in a church of about 30 people. And we never had a youth ministry, so I didn't even know really what a youth pastor was, but I loved going to camp. camp. God used camp to really change my life. So that was significant. Mm. And then in our family, we, uh, uh, we all went to Bible college for at least a year. So I went to Briarcrest after I graduated. And then when I was at Briarcrest, people started saying to me, hey, Sid, you should think about youth ministry. You might be a little bit wired for it. So I just said, Lord, I'm in with whatever you want, but I'll head towards what I know, and you can you know move the ship if you want. So I was going to be a phys ed teacher took off to university, mm. was volunteering with Youth for Christ while I was at university, which was super good. And then I'll never forget the moment in class when I felt like God said, hey, I need you to do vocational youth ministry. And I got out of that class. I phoned back my mentor at, at Briarcrest, said, hey, I got to come back, got to get my letters, got to get mentored. I got to like try out these gifts to see how this all works. So I went back to Briarcrest. Yeah. Uh, when I finished at Briarcrest, I worked with Youthquake for two years at Briarcrest, which was transforming for me. I lived in the high school dorm when I was at Briarcrest, which was fantastic as well. I love that. That was all very shaping. 
And then when I finished uh, there, I went to Canmore and I got to start Rob in a, in a little church in Canmore, an AGC church. They'd never had a youth pastor before. We had five senior high students, 11 junior high and started there, which yeah. was awesome. I was in Canmore for four years. And about my second year in, I had a buddy start calling me every month saying, Sid, you should go into full-time speaking. I was like, no way, dude. And then at the end of the year, he calls me and says, I've talked to my dad. We're going to finance a ministry for you. So you got to start it. So that's Hmm. how this thing began. We prayed about it. Our church prayed about it for a month. We said, let's do it. So for a year, I just traveled and spoke at camps and retreats and that sort of thing. But I missed the local church. Ended up then going to Lethbridge and uh, part-time oversaw the student ministry in Lethbridge for 11 years. Part-time traveled and spoke. At the end of 11 years, we decided to go full-time with what was then known as Truth Matters Ministries. And we began to really push our youth worker community side of it. We started doing um, our regional conferences with youth worker community. Uh, once I'd been there for about a year or so, then we started leaning into some other projects. And so we've been in Kelowna now for 10 years, Rob, and, uh, continuing to do this work that we've, that we're pretty excited about God having led us into. So it's been about 25 years plus that we've been in this space and pretty fun to be doing it. Yeah. Wow. Well, I can't get ja- get past gym teacher um, in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> right? Dude, I, I, that's I have this image of you with a with a big delicious mustache, wearing a, a oh. white t shirt and short short red shorts with high knee high socks with stripes on them and a whistle around your neck and a red rubber wow. ball under your arm. That's all, that's all Listen, I see. Bro. True story. True story. I'm in high school, my little town, I'm playing volleyball and I get to go play on this regional team, which doesn't mean anything. But I remember the moment, Rob, when I realized my shorts are too short. I remember the exact moment I'm on the court and I'm like, whoa, this has got to come to an end real quick. So yeah, your vision is quite correct. You're pretty solid on that. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I uh, affirm your calling now. It's great. Um, <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Now, now, your wife is that. also in ministry with you. I mean, she's she's uh, got a significant role as a director of Green Bay. Is that right? Well, dude, yeah. So this is crazy, right? So Jen loves youth ministry. In fact, funny, funny story, Rob. When I'm in Lethbridge, uh, you know, I'm kind of wrestling with should I stay in youth ministry or not. Church has given me a couple mm-hmm. of opportunities to kind of shift my roles. And uh, Jen tells me afterwards, it was a little bit of a crisis for her because she's like, Sid, I love youth ministry. She was volunteering at the time, uh, stay-at-home mom. Yeah. We were doing our thing. And then we traveled together. And she just goes, I loved it so much, but I wasn't going to quit working in the youth ministry. So I just thought for the first time, we'll kind of go separate tracks. So we end up going to Kelowna. And I'd always thought, Rob, that maybe God would give me a run as a director of a camp. That's kind of was in the back of my head because yeah. I love camp so much. Well, we've been living at camp, yeah, for like 10 years, uh, eight years, actually, but I'm not the director, my wife is. So Jen is the executive director of Green Bay Bible Camp, just does an amazing mm. job, like, so blessed to do it and be with her. And yeah, it's a great ago, camp. She, it's a thank you, yeah. And two years ago, she hired our organization to oversee the leadership development and discipleship of staff. So bro, I didn't know if I could do it, but like in the summers, you know, we're on site by 7 a.m. and we're in bed by 11 p.m. And it is one of like the most life-giving experiences I've had to work with these young leaders, see God do like powerful work in them, see them stretched, see them like um, 
expand the capacities beyond what they thought possible and experience Jesus doing something in and through them that they didn't have an imagination for. And I got to tell you, Rob, I don't know how long we're going to be able to do it. Like this gray ain't going away. If that makes, but, but right now it's, it's been like one of the most uh, precious places for me to do youth ministry work on the ground and it's shaping me. So I'm really thankful that the Lord is not even close to being done shaping me through this space. And, um, and I'm really thankful for it. So we're in this kind of neat space right now at the camp. Yeah, that's great. Well, and I'm sure there's lots of tension in in doing it as well, because at camp, you run hard and you're troubleshooting all the time. And I mean, it's, it's super busy, but super rewarding. Absolutely. You nailed it. Yeah. And you know what, you, you see God show up, like, because everything's moving fast. It's intense. Uh, there's pressure and and these are young kids you know what i mean that you're working with and even for me rob like it's funny as generations shift and change you know some of the principles of leadership that work maybe five or ten years ago all of a sudden i'm realizing don't work in quite the same way and so i'm having to take a step back and go oh that didn't go quite the way i thought it was okay what's the other angle that i need to come at this lord give me wisdom how do i help lead these kids well how do we lead together with our team you know and so again, like, um, it's a real space of growth for me that I'm very, very thankful for. Mm-hmm. Well, last week, uh, was a pretty significant, significant event, uh, happening, um, in terms of our national youth yeah. scene in uh, Vancouver. Um, it was the Canadian youth pastor summit, the Western version of um, there's a, there's an East version coming up at the, the Western version was on. And, uh, I, I'm really interested in knowing what, uh, what went on there? Why don't you tell us, uh, first of all, wh- what is it all about? I mean, what is the yeah. purpose kind of of this summit thing? And uh, give us yeah. a bit of a highlight reel. Yeah, so probably about, well, my friend Jason Ballard, and, and, and most people in youth ministry know about Jason Ballard. He mm-hmm. and um, uh, they, they started, they did the Youth, the youth Alpha video series, um, Jason and Ben Woodman, you know, a number of years ago, and they did version yeah. two, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of, you know, a space that people know Jason from. Jason works uh, at the Way Church and also runs an organization called the Canadian Church Leaders Network. And we had just been talking together. He'd overlapped with us in the youth worker community for a number of years being a part of our events. And then he just said, hey, Sid, like, got a vision to do something for youth pastors in particular. And I was like, Jay, I think it's a cool idea. So we partnered with CCLN to run the Youth Pastor Summit. We did it the first time last year. And this was our second year. We had about 120 youth youth pastors in the room so we were very clear on on who our audience was going to be we wanted to speak to youth pastors in particular in terms of helping them think about their ministries Um, not just think about specific kids and discipleship to kids but how do we build ministries that can facilitate the work of our volunteers and discipling yeah. kids. So that's like another level of leadership that we're talking about. And then we knew that we needed to engage like the heart, we needed to engage the mind, and we needed to give them tools to do ministry. And so we designed two and a half days around, you know, how do we bring in speakers that have great understanding of great content? How do we create space for youth pastors to begin to workshop that content and figure out what it practically means in their ministry context and allow them to work it out in community with other practitioners and Mm -hmm. then not only that but we also really wanted to make sure we created space where um where we could just do ministry where we could do prayer Mm -hmm. ministry we could experience the holy spirit you know working on our hearts as well as working in our minds and rob it was pretty cool like it was pretty intimate 
very, very intentional. And, um, and, and uh, partnering with CCLN means that it's going to be done well. Like, like yeah. there's a lot of thought into every minute of the experience, literally every minute of the experience. And so it was really great to be a part of that gathering of youth pastors, really thankful to do it and excited to do it in Mississauga in March. And, and Rob, I think like at our YWC conferences, which we'll talk about, we do a, we yeah. do a day of work with point leaders. Uh, but not in the same way as what we do at the Youth Pastor Summit. So we think the Youth Pastor Summit is phenomenal for working with youth pastors again. And then we kind of have like a journey with the other events that we're a part of in terms of what parts of the ministry does it focus on. So that was the Youth Pastor Summit and uh, and really yeah. thankful to, to have yeah. partnered with CCL. So, so the summit is primarily, the primary focus is the point person, the youth pastor or youth worker uh, within a local church. And specific youth pastor in a church. So that's yeah. a targeted context, Rob. We're serious about, uh, you know, serving the local church. That's that's absolute uh, critical and really important for us in that context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so youth, what you're saying then is youth pastors need somebody to care for them. Uh, and <laughs> Shocking, to... right? <laughs> well, let's see what they need. So, you know, Rob, you, you know this better than I do, but I was a little bit surprised at the value of community amongst peers in youth ministry as well. So to even gather for two and a half days and work together on things and, and not just like work and workshop, but share ideas, share best practices. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I did a I did a conversation around thinking about your culture, content and architecture of your youth ministry. And then, you know, we, we built up a, a, a Google Doc or a Google folder where all the youth pastors could put their best documents in, like job descriptions, um, st- strategies for onboarding new volunteers, you know, all that kind of, you know, calendars, um, uh, plan to protect policies. So so not only are, do you have, like, people from the front delivering content for youth pastors to process, but you're also creating space for youth pastors to share their best practices with each other and, and put it in a place where everyone can access it. So it's, yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's, a, it's, a, this is a unique day that we're living in where we can move this stuff this fast and we just have to create spaces where we can facilitate this type of interaction. And it was really cool. It was really great. Yeah. And I mean, the danger with content a day of, you know, where there's so much content is that uh, people are reading it, but they're not processing it and they're not doing Correct. it in the community. Right. So this provides a space where they can actually do that. Yeah, and I think what's unique about this, and this is something that I've been challenged on, is even when we program planned out the three days, Rob, like, again, we're pl- we're planning minutes. And so we just said, like, I've always been a big content guy. Let's make sure we get lots of content. You're not going to get that necessarily anywhere else. And Jason just really pushed, no, let's create space to process the content and mm-hmm. to think about it and then to really consider what might be one or two next steps. So, you know, when we would do a main session that might be 40 minutes long, we've got another 20 minutes of processing that's a part of that experience and it's guided yeah. processing right so so you're you know that intentionality was really important and i love it it's yeah. it's actually shaped the way that we do our other conferences now as well where we're creating way more space for workshopping and interacting to happen between the youth workers themselves because you know again our rhythms are so busy when we're back kind of in the grind that it's hard for us to create the time and space for that kind of engagement to happen, but we can do it in these kinds of spaces, these kind of places. Yeah. It's valuable. Yeah. Really valuable. Yeah. That's great. 
you know, culturally, I mean, well, worldwide, um, as a lot has happened with Gen Z uh, as a result of COVID. I mean, you, you think of a two years of online content and, you know, being locked in our caves and we've come out of our caves and um, kind of had to rebuild youth ministries across the country and rebuild relationships and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now, now that we're about a year and a half out, Sid, and, you know, as you think about the country and you look across and you see what God's doing, um, anything you'd say that you're, you're inspired by, by, um, within our youth ministries? Yeah, I am. So I, I think what, uh, one of the things that I'm trying to see and, and Rob, like, uh, uh, Jen and I volunteer in a youth ministry in Kelowna. Yeah. It's funny. We became empty nesters this last year and I found myself lying on the couch in the middle of the week. And I'm like, ah, this isn't the place I want to be. <laughs> There's gotta be another space we can fill a little bit. Um, but a couple things that I'm, that I think I'm observing and I want to be careful because it's within my periphery. But yeah. um, one of the things I'm observing is that kids want to gather again. And mm-hmm. so it, it, it seems like kids are showing up in the youth ministries I'm in. Kids are, you know, are gathering in numbers that were like pre-COVID-esque in a lot of spaces. Yeah. Uh, camps are the same thing. When we talk to camps, we're seeing that kids are, are, um, are registering and camps are filling up. So the one thing I'm seeing that excites me is kids are coming together. The second thing that I'm hopeful for then it, well, one of the things I, I think that we learned, or I hope we learned, was that like our program isn't what wins the day when it comes to discipling kids. It's actually our people. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm, what I'm hoping for and I'm sensing is that there is a new focus on, as a youth pastor, how do I actually equip and prepare my people, my volunteers, and how do I facilitate their discipling ministry with our students? And so, you know, the language that we would use, Rob, is we would say, do you see your volunteers there to serve you or are you there to serve your volunteers in their ministry? And I think that shift is happening. And that really excites me because then I think we can see life change take place because we know that life change happens best in the context of relationship, like God's designed us for that. And I think ministries are waking up to that. I think what what I hope happened is that COVID showed us how fragile our systems and structures are sometimes. And it's important to have good systems and structures. You got to do it, but they're there to facilitate, you know, people to people ministry and within our youth ministries. And and I think that there's a strong movement there. So, you know, one of the ways that I get to see that Rob, that encourages me, and this isn't the absolute indicator, but you know, we've got a conference coming up in Winnipeg for volunteer youth workers. And, um, and it took us a long time to convince point leaders that it was really valuable to bring their volunteers to an event like this, that that's actually who it's for, right. um, to help, you know, them as they lead their team. And, um, this year in Winnipeg, I think we have more than we've ever had even pre COVID. Mm. So that to me is just a, wow. that's, that can be an indicator to say that, that we realize as youth pastors, that our primary job isn't facilitating a program for kids. It's actually facilitating, uh, it's creating a program that facilitates leaders with kids in our ministries. And if we can get that, then I have so much hope because if we're doing that, Rob, then our systems and our structures can break down, but the relationships can remain and we'll always find another way to stay in relationship and then be able to do discipleship. Now, I mean, you can get me going because we're asking for more from our volunteers than we've ever asked for before. We're asking more from our youth pastors in terms of shepherding volunteers. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And pastoring them. 
Um, and, you know, like our volunteers generally in a youth ministry, generally, your volunteers are usually young adults, like or a majority of them are, depending mm-hmm. on the location you're in, in our country, yeah. that can change. It could be parents, young adults. So, you know, you know, kids are dealing with more complex issues than they've ever dealt with before, which means that we probably have to spend more time investing in our leaders so that they can actually help those kids work through those complex issues they're dealing with. So we're asking more from point leaders. We're asking more from volunteers. But I don't think we're asking anything more than what Jesus has asked of us. And, and, and the mission is, is, is real. Like the mission is serious and significant. And, and, you know, we say to volunteers, man, you give your life to this. Yeah, well, here's what I'm saying, Rob, it's funny. And I said this at, at, at the youth pastor summit last week, I've been thinking about it. I always wondered as I did youth ministry, if, um, if I was missing out on something, do you know what I mean? And I wondered if maybe I would do youth ministry for a while and then jump to something else because I might be missing out. Right. And I'm 50 now. And I've said this before, Rob, like my personal family heritage is our, uh, us Coop men die pretty young. My dad died at 48, my brother 55. Like it is a deal. I don't know. I'm hoping God gives yeah. me 70 or 80. The point is, I'm at a point right now where I think, you know what, if I, if God took me home, I don't think I've missed out on something. Like, do you know mm. what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. think that I don't have to go looking for something because what we're doing really matters. Wherever we are, this, th- this is really significant and really important. And I hope that youth pastors, volunteers can have a sense of like um, significance and purpose in what we're doing. And again, I think youth pastors are starting to design their youth. Like if it's just about playing a game or creating a fun game for a kid, I'm not sure that's worth giving our life to. You know what I mean? Like we should give an evening to that, but I don't know if we should give our life to it. But if we can see it more about something bigger and deeper, then yeah, it's worth it. And I think we're, we're, I feel like we're leaning that way more and I'm excited about that. Well, a lot of the camps that I speak to and even youth ministries, they, they say, well, their numbers are up. Like even some of them, huge like record numbers. Uh, yes. But their biggest challenge is actually finding the volunteers, is getting Correct. the volunteers back to come and serve and yeah. to to yeah. Um, to give into these, uh, you know, pour into this next generation. Um, yeah. You guys find that to be true in, in your spheres? Yeah. So here's what I think on that, Rob, again, and, and this goes back a little bit to what we're talking about. I... Um, I have a theory that says the volunteers are there if we can look after them the way we need to. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk about camp for a second. I think what's happened at camp is oftentimes we've thought of our outcomes at camp primarily in terms of camper experience. What we're right. actually advocating for in challenging camps is to think about outcomes first and foremost in terms of the leadership development and discipleship of staff. So staff experience. If you do that well, you're going to get your camper experience plus plus but you'll also get your staff back and you'll get the right kind of staff back. And so what I'm finding, you know, what I'm just seeing is camps that have made that shift that are really thinking intentionally about how do we invest in our staff? How do we equip our staff? How do we continue to disciple our staff that, that they're not having the same kind of problems in staff recruitment as maybe other places that aren't quite as intentional. So I think it does require a lot. Because again, we're asking a lot of them and people do have limited margins. So we have to make sure it's worth it. So just a you mm. know, couple things on that. In a local youth ministry, man, your volunteers need to know what you're asking of them. So you have to clearly communicate. You have to remind them of the why. You got to be inspiring them. Yeah, You totally. have to equip them, yeah. right? You got to give them the tools they need to do what they're doing, which means you have to think about the structure of your youth ministry so that you can actually create space to do that kind of work with them so we're we are asking for a a 
complex level of leadership in order to build the kind of ministries and environments that will continue to grow volunteers and bring more volunteers in. And what happens is when you do that, so when we take seriously these roles, volunteers realize that we're not just asking them to come in and be a good camp counselor. We're actually equipping them to be leaders to continue to lead at camp, but way beyond camp as well. So this becomes Mm -hmm. about life development. And I think what I'm sensing, Rob, is, is ministries that are kind of moving that way, thinking that way, they're not having the same kind of problem with volunteer retention or re- retention or recruitment, but yeah, but we don't get to assume on it. I think like we did pre COVID, like I, I think it's harder work to get there, but we can get there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the trend is towards them returning and coming back, but I think yeah. COVID just took the, took well, the wind out of everyone's sails and they're just trying to find themselves again. Yeah. yeah. And we're trying to rebuild the pipeline again, right? Like that's really yeah. key. So even for us at Green Bay, we found, you know, we did okay. Jen, Jen was really intentional and thoughtful about trying to maintain a, a type of pipeline through COVID, both with staff and with like, you know, campers to some degree. And everyone fought and tried, you know what I mean? So I get that. Um, but we just found again right now, like, oh, we feel like our leadership pipeline is, is restabilizing itself. You know, last yeah. year, was our first year post COVID where we kind of had, you know, we had the freedom to program and function as pre COVID. And then this year we got to build on it. And so we have more staff at camp this summer, I think than we've ever had Rob. And, um, you know, you always just try to turn the dial up 10% every year or whatever, whether you're in a youth ministry or in a camp, like just, you just think about how can I, how can I just be a little bit more intentional each year? And we're seeing that start to pay off where, again, you know, like for someone who's never been a part of Green Bay to come on staff, it'll be a little harder now than it was before because we've yeah. got a whole bunch of kids coming up the pipeline that I think are pretty excited to return. Not exclusively, but you, yeah. you get it. And I think camps that are doing that are, well, hey, we'll never have enough staff. Don't get me wrong. We're always going to work. Yeah. The Lord's going to yeah. push us to our knees and we're going to have to pray. And there's no youth minute. There are very few youth ministries that say, whoa, whoa, I got too many you know, good volunteers. Like that doesn't exist. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But, but I do, but I'm very hopeful for creating spaces that can grow and develop leaders that want to invest in ministry. I'm really hopeful for that, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you've got two years of disruption in the pipeline, like, so oh, dude. You know, students, student, you, you lose student leaders who would eventually become young adult leaders and whatnot. And you're, you're, it's hard to kind of recoup all of that. Um, Super but, hard. And, and yeah. the other thing we're dealing with too, Rob, is like people are in recovery. Like, you know, Rob, yeah. I, I just said to someone the other day, you know, for me, the last year and a half has been hard, dude. Like I, I would say that I was in a personal space that was like some of the lowest I've ever been in. It felt like I was, you know, walking in mud up to my knees constantly and just trying to get enough energy to take a next step, if I'm really honest about it. And God was doing some deep work that he needed to do in my life. And, you know, and there's lots of reasons for that. But I would say like, it was kind of this past June, where all of a sudden I felt like, hey, I can breathe again. And I actually have an ability to see, you know, a little bit farther than just my next step. And so, you know, and as I talk to other people who are leading in ministry, it's funny because it's hard for us to really articulate what was taking place or why that was happening, but we feel it. And, and I do think for those who kind of stayed the course and, 
you know, got on their knees and continued to like fight and remain, it does feel like there's a collective sense of breathing again. But the point is, we all brought that in to, to kind of the last two years. And we're all there's a little bit of recovery that's happening. And people are starting to, I think, kind of get their breath again a little bit. I'm hopeful for that. So it's been tough all, all across yeah. the board. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, I mean, we're supposed to be talking about what's inspiring us. <laughs> uh, so the the fact that we're seeing these, you know, these returns and and whatnot, I mean, that is inspiring. I, I mean, even earthquake at Briarcrest this last summer, Dude. Um, record numbers of, of yeah. students showing up. And it's like, what is with that? We thought we thought the days of conferences were maybe kind of behind us. I know that was reality in in Edmonton. I mean, yeah. Um, but it seems like there's a resurgence of that uh, all over the place. <clears throat> well, people and I coming think back. again, like Rob, when you're just when you keep consistently showing up in people's lives, honestly and authentically, with good mm-hmm. mission, right? Like you, can, you, nobody wants to have their time wasted, right? Like, and with good yeah. mission and good intentionality, uh, I think we're seeing fruit from that. And Youthquake did that. You know, one of the things that's pretty amazing, actually, about Youthquake, real quick, is is the intentionality in terms of transition of leadership and change management. So youth could yeah. get a massive leadership shift and a <clears throat> like the largest yeah. kind of program change that Youthquake has ever seen right in like the first year post COVID and God blessed it, like blessed it seriously. So it's pretty amazing actually what's taking place there. Yeah. yeah they, I mean, they changed the date by a couple of months. Um, they, they, they divided it into a junior high, senior high, like it added a whole new, um, and and that's yeah, when students are gone mostly. Like it's so it used correct. to be in the middle of second semester, but now it's like right after the second semester. And so, you know, a lot of students are supposed to be gone getting jobs and whatnot, but they stayed behind and they they Amazing. continued to volunteer and to serve. Yeah, there's so many things about that whole. You know, but you guys should actually do an analysis of that. Oftentimes, we do our our processing and analyzing when things aren't going well. But I think there would be something to say about analyzing that kind of a shift that went really well. And it's quite unique, actually. And yeah. um, could be yeah. helpful. Well, and I'll say to our listeners, if you or your student ministries are planning on going to Youthquake this year, you better be lined up at the <laughs> on the phone or online ready to register because it yeah. is going to sell out like quick. Like it yeah. sold out last year. Um, and I think it will again this year very early. So that's yeah, so exciting. Yeah, make it's sure okay, you, you get yeah. Hey, and Rob, so, let me put a plug in for let me put a plug in for Youthquake real quick as well because this yeah. is my passion. Like, not only is it really important for your students, it's phenomenal, and it's it, mm-hmm. it's it's fan, Listen, point leaders, uh, and and volunteer point leaders. Uh, one of the reasons Youthquake is so important and was big to me. What caught me is that someone did the programming that facilitated my shared experience with my students, and not yeah. not just like a a great fun shared experience, which you need to have. That's a really important part. Kids should feel enjoyed. We should enjoy our kids. We should have fun playing together. Yeah. I think it's holy work. But then very intentional in terms of like spiritual formation and, and faith engagement. Mm-hmm. And what I love so much, Rob, is I could be with my students in these moments when they were making important decisions that would allow me to journey with them beyond that experience. And so yeah. when when we can when I could bring my volunteers with students into an environment that was so intentionally crafted. It was a huge gift to me in my ministry. So I think that's big. But then the second one too is like Youthquake's made a commitment to actually helping train youth workers while they're there. And, right. and, and so it's actually a great opportunity for you to invest in your youth workers as well. And I think you have to remind them 
that, hey, we're asking you to come and invest in our students. Absolutely. And it's worth it. It's going to change your ministry with those kids. But we also want to use this as a place to invest in you. And so there's going to be some good opportunities to help you be encouraged and equipped for the work that God's calling you to do as well. And Youthquake has really been thoughtful about that whole journey, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and I think it's uh, the timing of when it takes place is great. It's between winter sports yeah. and spring sports. And uh, yeah. there's not a lot else going on on the calendar. It's post Easter. Um, it's in a really good Rob. space where you can actually, and it's nice out. You're not in Saskatchewan when Bro. it's 30 below. <laughs> Bro, how many youth quakes Springtime. did I go to where I almost literally froze to death walking from the chapel to the gym? And that's like only like 10 steps. Like seriously. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it is really wonderful to have some nice weather in that space, bro. I like it. Yeah. Hey, hey, what are, you know, let's get away from inspiration and let's talk about concerns. What You know, when you think about youth ministry now um, in this day, what are some of the concerns you're yeah. facing? Well, I think my biggest, I got a couple of big concerns. Uh, so I am concerned about the, uh, about the level of distraction that we have to fight with just as a society as a whole. And, um, and I think I see yeah. it in my own life as a person and as a leader where, uh, you know, my device is just a wonderful place for me to get lost in nothing. You know, at the mm-hmm. very best, I get lost in, in very, in, uh, in very low value, uh, content at the very worst, it's deeply yeah. self-destructive. And even what I'm finding, Rob, for me in that space is just the way, of course, we all know this, this isn't new stuff, but the way that the platforms yeah. are designed, they deconstruct our ability to focus. So that's a concern to me. And I'll, I'll be honest, yeah. like uh, right now I'm finding for myself, Rob, that I'm having to build new habits into my life to remove some of these non-helpful practices that, you know, in and of themselves aren't necessarily immoral. Like, you know what I mean? Like not everyone that's online is into pornography. That's what I'm trying to say. But, yeah. but is it helpful? You know, Hebrews chapter 12, he yeah. says, get rid of the sin and whatever hinders you. You know, like, So it's sin and the other things that are also yeah. hindering you. So I think that's a big dis- concern. It's a concern for our students, but it's also a concern for leaders and for pastors. You know, like I even think, you know, the ability to stay focused in preparation to like teach and lead is really hard yeah. work right now. And I think we have to take that seriously. So if I'm thinking like that's a concern I have up there, my bigger concern, I would say, you know, just and there's a million concerns we all have. We can talk about the digital. We can talk about sexuality. We can talk about all those things. But sure. for me at the very foundation is the way culture has pushed our understanding of identity formation. So that mm-hmm. to me is like, I think that's the baseline issue, Rob. I think, yeah. um, you know, and we don't have time to unpack it all here, but, you know, uh, just thinking about the frameworks that, that we need to think about when it comes to helping our students embrace, you know, what many have called a gospel identity, I think yeah. is really important work. So, you know, just, you know, this quickly, culturally, we look in first for our identity. What do I feel about myself? What do I, you know, what are our emotions saying about who I am? What's my, or, you know, whatever my disposition is that way. And then we'll look out to others to affirm what it is that we want yeah. to see about ourselves. And by the way, we think that we're being true to ourselves, but really all we're doing is allowing culture to manipulate our emotions and tell us who we should be. And then we try to live within that very narrow definition of identity, if you will. And by the way, our students are terrified to step outside of that because as soon as you do, the culture cancels you just like that. So it's funny that we live in a time where we say you should have more freedom to be yourself, but how we allow you to define yourself is more narrow than we've ever seen it before. And the implications of stepping outside of that narrow definition is violence, like literal violence against you. So kids are feeling this pressure. It's crushing them. It's killing yeah. them. 
Whereas what the gospel identity says is we look up to God, our creator, the one who knows us better than knows ourselves, and Jesus, the one who recreates us through his work on the cross. And, and when we can help kids see the beauty of Jesus and his voice becomes the loudest in terms of defining who we are, that can allow kids to be stable, strong, resilient. They look in to understand what their desires are and what desires align with what God says about them. They invite the Holy Spirit to come in and do that transforming work yeah. so that their desires align with, with God's desires. That's what it means to be a new creation. Do you know what I mean? And then out of that place of strength and resilience, we can radically love the other, including the other that is actively against us. Like Jesus calls us to love our enemies. And when we have a gospel-focused identity, we can love our enemy because, you know, what our enemy says about us doesn't own us anymore because what God says about us owns us. You know, when we live in like a modern identity within our current culture, whatever people say about us destroys us because, you know, they're attacking the core of who we are. And so it's very, you can't love the other. You can only cancel the other. You know what I mean? Because that's the only way that we can emotionally feel like we can function. So Rob, I think like, I really believe uh, identity has always been the issue. We've just assumed on it for many generations. It's now so... um, it's part of the popular narrative and language. Yeah, it's pervasive. And so now, yeah, yeah so now we can address it. I think that's our starting point, to be honest with you, yeah. or the foundation point that we need to be addressing in our ministries. And we have to think better about that. So, now, is that a, I mean, that's a real challenge when you, when you think you've got two or three hours a week to, with the real. youth in your ministry. And yet they, they, with it being so pervasive in, in, in I mean, it's it at every level. It's at the, the political level. It's at the educational level. Um, it's in their phones or social media, this uh, this narrative of expressive individualism and identity, self-autonomy and the formation of your own identity and whatnot. And they come yeah. to a youth ministry and there's a 30-minute talk at most, maybe 20, you know, because you want a short attention spans. Um, like how how can a youth worker successfully help yeah. their young people with identity formation? Yeah, really great. So I have a couple thoughts on that, uh, shockingly. So first of all, Rob, we should not, uh, I think right now we have to consider that the students whose families are already embedded in our churches and ministries are students really well worth investing in because what we're able to do is do something um, synergistic with parents, right? Where collectively yeah. we can we can both groups can be collectively kind of speaking the same message it could maybe result in something greater than the sum of the parts so that's the first that's thing right. i think about yeah so you gotta you gotta work with the families you do and that's why at camp too we want to yeah. really invest in staff because we think yeah. that's a really important ministry you know what i mean that has long-term consequences yeah. and effects and broad effects the second thing i think about is let's never forget that that the holy spirit is at work and so his power is significantly greater than what we can dream or imagine. And he always works in, almost always works in spite of us. Third, I, you know, so that's, we got third, we have to think about our ministries more intentionally, Rob. So I'm with you, dude. Like uh, if we show up and we drop a quick 20 minute talk and, yeah. uh, and it's not rooted in anything other than our cool ideas, then yeah, like we got some questions, you know what I mean? Like, so I have yeah. lots of questions around how we're structuring our ministry. However, um, we also remember that a healthy youth ministry is more than just the program moments. So in a really healthy youth ministry, when our leaders are able to connect outside of program moments, and there's lots of issues around that in terms of child protection policies, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But when we can do that, that is powerful in the life of a young person, especially when our leaders model something that's rooted in the gospel and how they live. And then second, 
I think ministries have to really double down and recommit to teaching great spiritual practices and disciplines to our students so mm-hmm. that their spiritual growth and development is more than just our program. Uh, we're working at our conferences this year with um, a young lady named Ebony Davies who did research on durable faith um, out of the States with uh, with uh, our friend Dave Ron. And really what they said is there's like four really critical spiritual practices or disciplines that we need to help our students embrace if they're going to develop resilient faith. And I think we need to go back to that. Like it's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. No, no, it's not. But Yeah. But if we can equip our volunteers to do spiritual disciplines and they can pass those spiritual disciplines on to our students, real basic practices like getting in the scriptures, praying, um, testifying to Jesus, speaking about him. Do you know what I mean? Sabbath. I mean, here's the other thing that's blowing my mind, Rob, is is there's such a wonderful resurgence in conversations around Sabbath. By the way, I don't need to hear it. Like, I don't need that conviction in my life right now. But, (laughs) you know, the need for us to pause, create space to listen to the Spirit speak, silence and solitude, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I actually think that, like, we need it more than ever because our lives are so loud and busy. And I think kids are open to having those types of experiences because it's so different and unique and powerful and transforming so anyways i do have hope rob i don't have a t- i don't have much hope in like our quick hit in our program necessarily yeah. at least not in some of the ways we've historically designed it but i do have hope in what youth ministries in a local church partnering with families can do in the faith formation of a young person and um because of the power of the holy spirit you know so i do have lots of hope there yeah, and, and I think don't underestimate the um, the influence of youth workers who have healthy identities um, coming Massive. alongside young people, and you know, yeah. showing and telling a better story, right? And and just yes. that that positive relational experience that they're going to have, just being immersed in that context, right? Yeah, Rob, you, we know we know this. Like, um, you know, kids are asking the question. You know, if you come to a kid and say there's a God, the number one question isn't generally, well, prove it. That's not their primary response. Their primary response is, well, what difference does he make? And the place that they're looking to have that statement or question answered is in the lives of the most important older people around them. And so when volunteers live out an Mm -hmm. identity rooted in Jesus, that is powerful in the life of a young person. And you know where that identity is really revealed, I think, Rob, in being able to show up as a non-anxious presence in a world that's pretty chaotic. Like when yeah. you have that that kind of presence that's rooted in the gospel, man, is that ever powerful in the life of a young person? Which is again why we go back to the need for point leaders in ministries to be really discipling their their volunteers, so that those volunteers can model something powerful for their kids. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Yeah, and just a plug for that book, A Failure of Nerve. If um, right. anyone has not read that book, right, and talking about non anxious presence and what we need more than ever. Written, you know, three decades ago but so right. practical and real for yeah. today so um Sid I want to talk a little bit more about youth worker community um and the work that you guys do and and zone in on a couple of key components of your work um sure. the first uh let's talk about youth worker conferences that you host every year what are those who are they for yeah. why should they matter great so we have a suite of conferences now that we're a part of Rob so a we sweet. would say I like that. Sweet. Doesn't that sound nice? So, um, 
you know, so first of all, we've um, uh, we've we've just had the opportunity to partner with today's teens in Toronto, and oversee the the today's teens conference, which has been going on for decades, has a wonderful yeah. history, that's been really significant, especially in the Ontario region. And you know, you gather about eight hundred youth workers, about four hundred student leaders or so in that space. It's awesome. So we love that. So that's a that's a one day event. That's really great. That's focusing on student leaders and volunteer youth workers primarily. Yeah. And yeah. then we do another five conferences across Canada that's focused on volunteer leaders, on a point leader bringing their volunteer leader to get them encouraged and equipped to better disciple their kids next week. So we do one in Vancouver. We've got one coming up in Calgary, one in Saskatoon, one in Winnipeg, and the one in Moncton. And we try to make those affordable and accessible so you can bring your whole team. We raise a lot of money to help subsidize the cost so that you can bring your whole team to that event. On Friday, we do have a focus day on point leaders that just helps us think at about the 30,000-foot level and think practically about our ministries. It's a time where we get to work on it. And then yeah. all day Saturday, and Friday night and Saturday is about working in it with your volunteers. So you have like about 15 workshops to choose from you get to build your own journey as a ministry what's going to be best for your people we have inspiration time and ministry time in our main sessions and so those are those are those conferences and then we do the summits for youth pastors we partner with ccln Uh, and then we're also working with other organizations like youth quake and change conference to help do uh, volunteer youth worker training in those environments where they're bringing their students to. So that's kind of how we see our work, Rob, at a conference yeah, yeah. level right now in Canada. And mm. um, and we're thankful to do it. We've been able to spread ourselves all the way across Southern Canada, if you will. We don't spend too much time up North yet. We should get there at some point in time, um, but we're not there just yet. Yeah. Yeah. So the youth worker community community, uh, conferences those five regional ones i mean i had a chance to go to those last year and and i just i mean i just love the work that you guys are doing um the just the variety of workshops and um the the kind of the inspiration at the beginning you bookend it you know with a launch and and with a conclusion and wrap up and um and what i love about it as well is the networking that takes place as well with different youth pastors from different places so it's like a a coming home but it's regionalized which is fantastic because then it's accessible to people who kind of live in the area um what would you say to youth to uh, lead pastors why why do you think it should be important to lead pastors oh dude uh to see their youth guys go to these uh these regional events started bro so here's what I think. Here's what I think we don't real uh, we were working. So we do we we do some consulting with different churches and ministries and organizations. And one of the things we're saying to churches and lead and executive leaders is to say, hey, you really need to invest in your youth ministries and the training of your volunteer youth workers because they are going to be the lay leaders of your church for decades to come. And there yeah. is not a better place to do like small group leadership training than in your youth ministry. It's dynamic. You're working with people at really varying stages of development and life. The mm-hmm. issues you're dealing with are significant and severe. And so you have to learn to shepherd and wisely shepherd. You're working with like a real complex group of different people, if you will, from parents to students, sometimes to teachers, to other support workers. So you have to be wise and varied in the way that you can communicate and interact. And then it's happening on a consistent ongoing basis right and there's great training that's happening for them so 
We think that the conferences, Rob, are great for training a volunteer youth worker for the work they're doing now, but it's yeah. also actually training them for the kind of discipleship work that they're going to do for, you know, potentially the next number of decades within that local ministry context. So we just think that, you know, as a, as a pastor or an executive leader in a church, when you're making an investment to send your volunteers to a conference like this, you're not just investing in your youth ministry, you're actually investing in the leadership development of, of your church is actually what you're doing. And the payoff should be literally for years to come. So, and I I I didn't even talk about the idea of how that's going to change the way we disciple our kids. I'm just talking about like investing in lay leadership. Rob, you know that in many churches, right? We know this that people are getting excited about doing le- leadership development of their lay leaders, which maybe means like a, a Saturday per year. Do you know, yeah. you know like what yeah. does it mean? And, yeah. um, and so I think if we can think about layering that in the different areas of our ministries over a longer period of time, then we can start mining the depth that we need to lead in our churches. Yeah, that's great. So what cities are you in again? Remind us. Yeah. So we are in, so, Hey, in a week we are, well, this weekend we start in Winnipeg. And then in two weeks, we're in Moncton. And then uh, end of September, we're back in Saskatoon, uh, Vancouver, and then Calgary for the three weeks yeah. from the end of September till the second weekend. You mean, you mean January? End of January, yes. What did I say? September. Yeah, no, no. End of January, thank you. End into February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get that right. <laughs> you got camp brain. It's, it's, you're thinking about totally the first well. week after camp. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you nailed it. Um, yeah. Yeah, those, those would be great. And, and, you know, there's something to be said about if you can invest in it every year, like the rhythms that like you yeah. think of the the story of Israel and, and how they had the festivals and, and the, these these rhythms of, of spiritual development and all the participation. I, I think if, if churches can invest the funds and invest yeah. the time and just put it in the calendar and say that we're going to yeah. try and do this every year. Uh, give it a few years and just see yeah. what God will do in, in the leaders in yeah. your church and in the young people in your church. Um, yeah. And you have to have and, them experience it, Rob, right? Like yeah. I remember when I was working in Lethbridge, we had about 60 volunteers and they didn't want to take up another weekend. And I had to be really careful yeah. in asking them for another weekend. Do you know what I mean to give? And I just said, hey, could you trust me this one time? And, and if this doesn't help you better disciple the kids in your small group next week, I'm never asking you to come again. So we lived with that kind of yep. expectation. And I know, like, I'm asking point leaders and churches to leverage their trust to make a big ask of their volunteers. And we want to try to honor that trust. And I think we've been thoughtful about that. But, um, but the experience is shaping. Even for those yep. volunteers to realize they're a part of a much bigger youth worker community is, yep. is actually pretty significant for them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. And, and I mean, it's, it's not even just the event, it's, it's getting to the event, like the road trip, like there's so much that happens in the vehicle and the conversations that happen with your leaders, uh, going there, coming back. Um, so the journey is, is half of the, the value that's added to investing in something like this. So yeah, I just, I just hope that leaders would do it. When I was in youth ministry, uh, there was, there were no events that I could take my, my volunteers to. So the weight was on me to, to not only to yes. do the ministry, but to come up with training all the time for my own volunteers. Yeah. And, and it's really hard to wear all those hats. So if part of the pressure can be taken really off of hard. me and I can bring them to something and, and 
Yeah. And really just afterwards is just kind of walk through, well, what'd you see? What'd you hear? What's God doing? And, um, and to come away from that experience with, you know, your, your buckets full. I mean, that's yeah, totally worth it. Totally worth it. Yeah. You nailed it. Um, let's talk about the coalition, uh, Sid, um, you have a degreed leadership program for youth workers uh, that you offer in, in, in partnership with several academic institutions. Um, and, and it's a bit of a unique model for training youth workers. I mean, it's very much on the uh, hands-on practical ministry side, plus training as well, um, big on competencies. But uh, why don't you talk about that for us? Why don't you share what's your approach to training workers with the coalition? Yeah, so the coalition is a two-year program, Rob. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, you can do two years of your undergrad or your full two-year graduate studies with us. And, you know, really, it's kind of a model based around the trades. We really think that the experience that someone has in their local ministry context is really important to their development as leaders and youth workers. So, you're, you know, the primary classroom is your ministry environment. So all of our students yeah. are in a ministry environment, whether they're there as an apprentice or already on staff in that local church or, or ministry location, camp, community uh, ministry, you have to be in that space. Uh, then second, um, you have to have a ministry mentor. So someone that's journeying with you um, and being really intentional about your character development and competency development. And we help mm. give them some of the frameworks and tools to mentor that leader in that position that they're in. They have to have someone doing spiritual formation, journeying with them in terms of their spiritual formation and discipleship. So we know that, of course, that's key to the formation yep. of a good leader. Um, and then you're, of course, you're in community. So you're part of a local cohort that you're working with. Uh, those cohorts meet in person eight times over two years as part wow. of our classes. But they're also meeting monthly for our online leader labs that work through another, you know, one of your core competencies or character traits that you have to develop as a leader in that environment. And then finally, we're still committed to good academic rigor, Rob. And so mm -hmm. we have over two years, eight one-week modulars, and we fly our professors in from all over North America to teach on the class. And not only do we get to, you know, not only do we have a real varied faculty, but we're also then zooming in experts who are on the ground in those fields as well to contribute to the classroom, much like we do at Briarcrest and in our other yeah. institutions as well. And so you just get to hear a lot of different voices that are really focused on key topics. So, Rob, I, you know, um, my time in the residential school, that's probably the wrong language. My time at like Briarcrest specifically changed my life. And, yeah. um, and certainly there is a high need, especially for students coming out of high school, to be in that space, to be in that tight community, to do deep identity formation, to do great theological thoughtfulness. I think that's really, really key in that space. But I'm also excited about, you know, when it comes to real practitioner development, that to be able to be in a ministry context for a significant amount of time, so you feel the ebbs and flows and what takes place in that space, but you're mentored and you're still learning so that when you're in the classroom, you know, the questions we're answering are the questions you're asking because you've been dealing with it that week. So yeah. um, it's been really exciting, Rob, to be a part of this project and we're thankful for it. We're thankful to partner with, like you said, all of these academic institutions that have been doing a wonderful job and to journey together in some kind of maybe somewhat unique new ways of, of trying to do ministry preparation for the next generation. And what we like is especially 
you know, if you've, you've been, you know, you finished your bachelor's, you've been in ministry for a number of years, and now you'd like to kind of go to the next level of professional development and get your master's. We think this is a really fantastic space to be able to do it without having to move your family without, you know, yeah. with limited financial risk. And, um, but also with really deep learning and networking at the same time, it's, you've mentioned it a couple of times, Rob, like that networking piece is part of what helps sustain people for the long haul in ministry. Absolutely. So we'd love to be yeah. a part of that. Yeah. I mean, think resiliency studies, I mean, uh, they will clearly, clearly articulate the importance of cohorts and networks and relationships that are going to help sustain you for the long run in, in ministry. And if you don't have those, yeah. no, nope. um, need them. yeah. Yeah, your chances of, of survival are, are, are pretty slim, so they're important. Um, now, the, um, <clears throat> the the approach that you have, what I love about it is is it's very pract- practical, very hands on approach. Yes. Um, and I think what we we see in, in in theological institutions, one of the challenges is people can come out as well. Um, with big, big theological minds, but no real practical hands-on ministry. But you're saying you kind of want the best of both worlds. You want them to have that, you know, that that deep um, biblical understanding, the theological knowledge, but also some very practical hands-on um, competencies uh, to yeah. do ministry. Absolutely, um, I, Yeah, you nailed it exactly. And it has to be a both hand. Right. And, yeah. and um, we know that each model tends to lean in, in certain directions. Um, yeah. And that's, that's great. Right. Like it's not for everybody. Um, but, there, but that, the, that like competency practice piece is really significant. We would, we would say again, like it's a deep dive into leadership development. And so, uh, you know, for us, I think it's, it's really saying we believe that, that, what's re- the kind of leadership acumen that's required for healthy youth ministry today is probably in some ways, maybe more than it's been, or at least that's what we're advocating for. And mm-hmm. we think that this is a place that can do that. One of my concerns, Rob, is that um, I think there's lots of reasons why, why a youth pastor or a youth worker might move on from youth ministry. Lots of really good reasons, by the way. Yeah. Um, but I hope they'll never move on from being passionate about seeing the next generation of Jesus. Yeah. However, yeah if you feel like it's that you've reached your leadership lid, if that's the reason for moving on, I think that's a straw man. I, I don't think that's a real ceiling. And um, because I think that you, you, you know, there's an infinite amount of leadership growth and development that, that can take place within a youth ministry context. And that's necessary for healthy youth ministry today. And so we want to help explore that with leaders yeah. as well. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, how, how's, uh, how's the enrollment this year for the coalition? How's it, how's it going for you guys uh, post COVID? Rob, we're shockingly blessed. Yeah. And so we have okay. 45 students, um, enrolled wow. right now in our program. We have a cohort in, we have two cohorts in Kelowna, cohort in Manitoba and one in, in New Brunswick. And, um, we're mm-hmm. looking at, so every year we launch new cohorts every year we launch in Kelowna. So every year we have a new yeah. cohort in Kelowna. That's been our model currently. And then depending on, you know, people can either fly to Kelowna and be in the physical presence of our prof, or they can gather with other students physically and one of our facilitators and then stream the prof live into their location, depending on when we get a cohort together. So we're right now looking at launching in Ontario in September. Um, Once we get 10 to 12 students committed, we'll launch and we're pretty close. So yeah. my suspicion is that next year we'll launch a new cohort in Kelowna and another cohort in Ontario. And then we'll have our second year of cohort in Manitoba 
um, mm. and New Brunswick as well. So we'll see. We don't like, again, Rob, we want to steward what we've been given. We don't want to move too fast. We don't want to build our kingdom. We want to contribute to the work of, of building, of, of being a part of the kingdom where Jesus is doing in partnership with, with so many other yeah. um, people that are doing, doing great work. So that's what we're most excited about. Yeah. And mm. trying to be faithful there. Oh, that's great, Sid. Um, love what you guys are doing. You know, there, there seems to be a, a shortage of youth workers in the country. I mean, I, yeah. I get calls all the time, uh, at, uh, at Briarcrest, uh, people looking for youth pastors and, uh, the, the challenge is we, we just can't keep up with the demand really right now. So any, any thoughts on, on why that might be, what do you, what do you, what are you seeing? Yeah. Well, here's what I think, Rob. I think we have to be giving a vision for vocational ministry commitments to students earlier. So I, I, mm. I think we've lost that passion. There's lots of reasons for that. You know what? Yeah. Like I look at my peers, I don't think we're encouraging, you know, the commitment to vocational ministry in our kids. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like even when yeah. my son yeah. came to me and said, dad, I want to be a youth pastor. I was like, Ooh, <laughs> like, a, you know, like a, <laughs> yeah. I had a pause. Um, so I think there's that, but I, I, I think like we don't value the calling like we, we need to, uh, it's difficult in our kind of environment, you know, but financially, but when has that ever not been the issue? And so what I really am hopeful for Rob is that uh, families and youth ministries would start talking about this calling. Uh, to yeah. kids at a younger age and giving them opportunities to taste what it is to give their lives to ministry. So, you know, when you do mission trips, that's a pretty phenomenal experience. That's immersive. Uh, student mm-hmm. leadership in in um, in ministries uh, is fantastic. I think camp is phenomenal for kids to have an immersive experience when it comes to doing good ministry work. And I think what we should be doing, we want to be careful. We don't want to be God's voice to kids. Like there's lots of people that shouldn't be, that should be called to go make as much money as they can and, and give it away. Like, yeah. well, there's lots yeah. that should do that, but there's some that should consider um, giving their life to vocational ministry. And we have to help them gain a vision for that. I think at an earlier age. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there's just uh, so much yeah. I could say about that, uh, Sid, um, but I know we don't have the time. So we're going to have to make sure that we, we have that conversation in, in the future. Um, why is yeah, it that? And we have to keep uh, that conversation going, Rob. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, but we are, there, there's, I think there's a problem in the distribution on the front end with um, so yeah. very few young people being called into ministry. And yes. uh, I think we need to return to conversations in our local churches about actually asking parents and their youth, um, would you actually prayerfully consider whether or not your young wow. person is called into ministry. And, and I don't think we, we ask that question anymore. Um, and it's not like it's a better calling than other vocations. I mean, we know we value all callings. Um, it's not like all ministries don't matter. We believe in the priesthood of all believers, but there is something unique about the call to ministry. And I think we've, we've largely lost that for, for a number of different reasons, but we won't get into them right now. We'll have a, we'll have a long form conversation about that sometime. But then on the back end, we have a challenge of getting, workers into churches. Um, and then sometimes when they get into churches, they burn out and they fizzle out because yeah. of, you know, the resiliency problems and, and, and challenges. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's, there's so much in the, in the pipeline, if I can use that word, but, um, I, yeah. I don't, I lack for a better word that 
that it breaks down on several parts and it makes it really yeah. difficult to get young people into ministry yeah. in, in, um, in churches. So, it does. But we so much but, we could talk about. Yeah. And we're going to keep going, Rob. Like we can't, we're not quitting on it. We know we've been called to this moment. And what I think is really encouraging, Rob, is there's, I think there's a new openness to collective conversations and working together yeah. um, to yeah. help like solve these issues. Like I, I really do think Rob that this generation of leaders coming behind us is not nearly as interested in silos as we, we were. And I'm mm. uh, Hey, I want to be really clear. I'm all for denominations actually. Like I'm a, I'm a denomination guy. I get the value of it, of them and the supports and the equipping and all the kinds of things that can go with that. But I also love when people are connect are committed together on mission that cross some of those lines as well. And I think we're seeing that. So I, I, I am hopeful that we'll be able to wrestle with these issues and continue to find ways forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I hope that parents and youth pastors and yeah. lead pastors in churches will challenge young people to f- prayerfully and faithfully yeah. consider whether or not God is calling them into ministry or where God yeah. is calling them in general, but yeah, in ministry in particular as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, hey, Sid, where can people go to learn more about your work? Yeah. So our website is youthworker.community. That's probably one of the best places to find us. Um, And, you know, you can follow youthworker.community on socials as well, like Instagram, and we have Facebook page and stuff like that. But but that the, the website is the best place to find us. We're kind of under construction there a little bit right now, which is fine. So you'll see it, but it's continuing yeah. to develop what's new. Are there any of us that don't say we're under construction when it comes to our like digital platform? So that's yeah. fine. But that's the best place to find us, Rob. Yeah. And also um, our podcast, the yes. Volunteer Youth Worker Podcast. Thank you. I think it's a great resource and tool for point leaders to share with their volunteers. You know, there's a new podcast comes out every week. And, um, and we love that platform for helping continue to encourage and equip youth workers beyond just the conference moments. And so we think that's another great place for you to track with us. Yeah. I, I love you guys, uh, putting that together. Um, mm-hmm. I had a chance to go on there once and, and do a talk about, uh, a church conflict and managing that. So, uh, yeah, kudos to you guys. Um, just so many great topics on there. And I've, I've actually cool. shared it. My daughter's a youth pastor. I've shared it with her. I've shared it with some other youth workers as well. So you got to listen to this. This is so golden, so much good stuff there. So thanks for you guys. I mean, I know a weekly podcast is a big investment and you guys are yeah. investing. So I really appreciate it. Thanks hey, so much, Sid, we'll have to get you back here, uh, on the podcast again in the future. Bless you, man. Love what you do. Uh, thanks for sharing your time with our listeners today. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Rob. Bless you, bro. Thank you. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Church of the North podcast, a production of Briarcrest College and Seminary. For more information about the podcast, visit churchinthenorth.ca. To learn more about Briarcrest, visit briarcrest.ca. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard today, please share this episode with other ministry leaders. 